excited even about today. It's fun. You know, the, the, these games help illustrate the thing that as married couples you assume about the other person. You know, it's funny. Uh, when you're dating, a lot of times you can ask a lot of questions. You're trying to get to know the person. Uh, you think, man, I'm, I'm going to get to know you. But something happens when you get married. How I many know when you get married, you kind of start to get complacent? Uh, I, Phyllis and I were talking about some of this, and what's interesting now is we've talked about what's your favorite color. I mean, it's my wife. I ought to know what her favorite color is, right? But, but you forget or things change, and, and so what we've got to make sure we're doing is we're actively learning to continue the conversation in our relationships, that we are engaging in one another's lives, that we're conversating with one another, and we can't just assume that they know. Can I get an amen? I mean, no, assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. Well, I assumed you know. Well, you can assume all day long, but unless you communicate it, how I many know we don't know? whether it's a man or a woman, and so we've got to make sure that we are constantly communicating, especially in rough seasons. Anybody ever been in a rough season? Uh, anybody in a rough season now? You don't have to raise your hand, but you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I'm in one right now. And, and, and rough seasons tend to pull you apart, not bring you closer together. And uh, we tend to give each other in rough seasons the silent treatment. Anybody ever played the silent treatment game? Uh, if you're married, you know exactly. Every married couple's played it. Phil's not... We played it a couple of times, and I'd probably be embarrassed to tell you when the last time we played it, it's that whole deal where you're mad, but you ain't going to say nothing, but they're going to know. Passive, aggressive, you just, you, you kind of grabbing stuff, and the way you wash dishes, you know, ladies, you, it ain't like nice, it's like, you're like hitting stuff, and you're like, what's wrong with mom? I don't know, son, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong. Them dishes are getting the best of her today, that's all I know, and, and then you get in bed, and and you know, the whole thing with the silent treatment game is whoever's feet touch, if you touch their feet, you lose. Right, so it's like, I touch you, and you roll over, and you get to the edge of the bed, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to touch your feet, because that means I've given up. That means I'm, I'm going to give in, and so, you know, we just, we don't do that. We play the silent treatment game, and it reminds me of a story of a guy, him and his wife got in a fight, and they were playing the whole silent treatment game, and he's mad, and you know, he's, he just, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to her, because I'm not going to lose this game. Well, he had a flight in the morning. So he had to leave by 5 a.m. And he thought, look, I'm not going to talk to my wife. I'm, I'm going to leave her a note. So he writes her a note, says, hey, baby, i got to get up at 5 a.m. for a flight. Will you please make sure I'm up? Now, he knew she gets up before him. She puts it over in the sink where he knows she's going to see it when she's brushing her teeth. And lo and behold, the next morning comes, and he wakes up. And sure enough, he missed his flight. It's 9 a.m. And he looks over to the nightstand. He sees a note from his wife. Get up, baby. It's 5 a.m. <laughs> I mean, no, there ain't no winners in the silent game. I mean, it's like everybody loses. And so what we got to do is we got to make sure we have a healthy conversation, that we're communicating in a healthy way, that us as individuals and really even as Christians, that we don't do it the way the world does it, but we do it the way God does it which means we communicate, we forgive often, we give lots of grace. Uh, if we follow the pattern of the world, we're going to destroy our marriages. Uh, look at what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Everybody say, let God transform you. Let God transform you. So look, I'm not going to copy the pattern 
or the behavior or the ways that the world acts because that's the way the world acts when they're mad and you know that's the way we act when we're selfish because if you weren't being selfish and self-centered how I many know you'd get your your I would say but get your butt in gear and be humble and go apologize to your spouse right the problem is you feel like you got rights I have a right to be mad I have a right to be offended and the truth is dead men dead women don't have rights we've all died in Christ and so we can't copy the pattern of the world can't do the way the world does it otherwise we're going to wreak havoc in our lives but we got to let God transform us into a new person by changing the way we think that means look I'm going to change the pattern of what I grew up with or the way I grew up or even the way that I did it in the past I'm going to change some things in my life and look and then it says then you'll learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect good pleasing and perfect now I want to lay a foundation just a foundation real quick about communication and so that we can understand that there are actually four levels of communication that we live on as married couples or people in relationships the first one is this the surface level uh, this is the, the, the most shallow level of a relationship. Uh, this is where people say a lot of cliches. You don't really intend to talk. Uh, you just say, hello, goodbye, how are you doing? Have you ever asked someone how they're doing and they actually stop to tell you how they're doing? You're like, whoa, whoa, I didn't, I didn't really mean that. <laughs> like They start talking like, wait, wait, I'm in a hurry. Love you, brother. It's good to see you. I mean, guys live on this level, right? We're like, what's up? Fist bump. We ain't even got to speak. We're like, mm. What's up? You know, it's this, this whole surface level of communication. The second level is general information. Now, this is where a lot of couples and families and homes tend to live at. Uh, this is where people uh, live in their life with just giving information out. And I have to tell you, there's been seasons where Phyllis and I have lived at this level in our relationship. This is like, hey, Caden's got a game. Uh, this Thursday night hey the dream team rally or the dream team night is going to be Saturday night at, at five o'clock at Pecan Grove Park uh, we need to make sure we're there it's just hey I'm going to give you some information about our family I'm going to tell you what's happening but we don't ever really go any deeper in our relationship so it just stays real informative it's on the surface and the challenge is so many people live there because life is so busy what we got to do is we got to go deeper and not stay there, but really intentionally communicate at the deepest level so that we have healthy relationships, which the next two are deeper. The, the third one is this. We need deep feelings. It's where I begin to communicate my feelings that uh, people, we all have feelings. Uh, your husband, your wife, everybody, we all have feelings. And so we recognize that and we begin to communicate that. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned about feelings is that Feelings aren't always right, but they're always valid. They're always someone's feelings. That, that's, that's their reality. And so we've got to make sure that we can communicate the feelings that we're experiencing as well as understand the feelings that your spouse is experiencing in themselves. And so many times for us, uh, instead of communicating feelings, what we'll do is we'll blame the other person. We'll say things like, you always, you never so really what you're doing now is instead of communicating a feeling, you're now passing blame. And what we got to do is we got to own the feeling. We got to say something like, look, when you do that, it makes me feel. It makes me feel. Why? Because I can argue with your facts, but I can't argue with your feelings. 
And so we, we just have to be careful in our relationship that we're not blaming. It's you always, you never. It's no, no, no. Look, when you do that, I just want you to know how it makes me feel because my feelings are valid. We're going to talk a little bit about this next week when we talk about conflict resolution. Uh, it'll be a great, great week for you to come back and experience that. Then the fourth level of communication is really deep needs. <clears throat> so now we've expressed our feelings, how I feel. But this is where we begin to communicate the needs that we have in our life. Like, hey, let me, let, let me tell you, I really need this from you in our season. We had a season where Phyllis and I were super busy. And uh, I began to spend a lot of nights out, especially launching this church. We're about five and a half years old. God has blessed it. Great things are happening. Uh, but I'll tell you, in the first four years, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's still hard. Um, but I think we've gotten some more balance. We got a little bit of out of balance for our second and third year. And there was a point where Phyllis and I, uh, we were actually leaving the counselor's office. I think everybody needs a good shrink, a good counselor. Can I get an amen? You're glad that I'm in counseling. I just want you to know <laughs> I'm a better person. And I remember us leaving and her just communicating. She said it was the first time I actually heard what she was saying. She said, I've been telling you this for years. But I mean, no, it was the first time I heard it. And I think it was a lot to do with the way she said it. She said, Jim, I really need you to be home four or five nights a week. And so what was she doing? She's communicating, this is what I need. Not, not griping at me, not blaming me, not saying other things, but just saying, look, this is what I need. And, and, and I'll tell you this, your spouse at the deepest level wants to meet the needs of your heart. Uh, that's intuitive. Why? Because we fell in love with you for a reason. Like we really love you. Uh, whether it's the husband or wife. So we've just got to make sure that we can communicate the need that we have in our relationship. Now, most couples never reach this level. In fact, the studies show only 10% of couples that are married ever reach the deepest level where people are communicating their needs. And so we need to make sure we're aware of that. Now, I want to really dive a little bit more into the topic of communication. I'm not going to be super long. Uh, I also want you to know this. This is not an ex exhaustive uh, lesson or sermon on communication. There are hundreds of books that have been written. Uh, you can go out and buy the book, His Needs, Her Needs. Anybody ever read that book? I want to encourage you to go buy that. You can also uh, go buy Five Love Languages. Uh, that's another great book. Uh, but what I do want to do is this. I wanted us to have a little bit of fun, but I also wanted us to walk out with six skills that we can develop in our relationships to help us communicate more effectively. Just six things that if we'll focus on, we will be better communicators in our relationships. The first one is this. We've got to give focused attention. Everybody say focused attention. Now, I have a question. Have you ever been distracted in a conversation? Anybody? Uh, have you ever heard someone talking? You might have even been kind of halfway looking at them. By the time they're done talking, you don't have a clue what they just said. Anybody? You're like, I have no idea. And, and the worst time, too, is when you're asking someone their name. Hey, what's your name? I mean, you're not even thinking about it. That's why they have to repeat it seven or eight or nine times. And, and what I've learned is this. The more familiar you are with the person, the more distracted you can become. 
Why? Because you're with them all the time. You, you, know, you know, you do life with them. And so you, you can be texting. You can be watching television. You can just be aloof and out somewhere with your thoughts. What we've got to do is we've got to make sure that we are giving focused attention to the person that is communicating to us. We've got to break through this whole illusion that we've been communicating with one another. I love what George Bernard Shaw said. He said, the single's biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And what does that mean? That means, look, they're talking. You may even look like you're looking and listening, but ain't, you're not. So the communication's not happening. And there's this illusion like, hey, we're communicating. And the truth is, you're not because it's not focused attention. So this is what I'd say, look, don't multitask your relationships. When your spouse is talking, you ought to shut your phone off or turn it over and uh, look directly into the spouse's eye that's communicating with you. You ought to get away from the television or at least hit pause. You ought to turn off the noise. You ought to really make sure that you're looking. Look, you say, well, why would I have to do that? Why? Because we're developing our skill to communicate more effectively. I really believe most of the problems that we have in marriage have almost everything to do with communication. And you think you've said something and they've heard it and the truth is they hadn't. And then you've got this expectation. Well, I told you that. Have you, men, have you ever had that happen? Well, I told you last week we were doing this. You're like, I never heard it. I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. You're like, when did you say it? Then they come back and say, it's like, but, but when you go back to the root of it, what happened was you were just distracted. You didn't give your undivided attention to the person that was communicating to you. James 1.19 said everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, quick to listen. Like, like I'm just going to listen and be intentional in my listening. Proverbs 7.24, I love what it says, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth. I'm going I'm to be attentive to the words of your mouth. We've got to make sure that we are paying attention when our spouse is speaking. The second skill is this. We've got to praise each other often. Praise each other often. Look, you've got to make sure that you're focusing on the good qualities that your spouse has, not the negative qualities. I mean, no, there's always something that's going to drive you crazy about your spouse. Can I get an amen? But what you got to do is say, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good things. And then when you do good things and when there's good things that I see, I'm going to begin to praise you for those things. Uh, I love what Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another. Everybody say it daily. Everybody say daily. Encourage each other when? Daily. What do you mean encourage each other? That means I'm going to praise you. I'm going to tell you the good things that you're doing in our relationship. Why? Because I want us to have a great godly marriage that the world looks at and says, wow, I wish our marriage was like that. And then what we can do is we can say, well, look, we found the answers in the Bible and we can point them back to Jesus. So you got to listen to them and then you got to praise them and, and you got to look for those great things. Look, it, I found myself, even over the last month and a half, Phyllis and I have been working real hard on this. Man, when Phyllis has dinner ready, man, I'm excited. I'm like, baby, thank you so much for having, to me, uh, food is important. Come on, man. Can I, it's, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you, you do a lot of things. You know, it's funny. 
even the other day, I mean, we're really, we're, we've been married 18 and a half years and we're just now getting it. So we're, we're, we're not always the brightest or the sharpest, but we're working on it. And, you know, probably about a year and a half ago, I set her down and we were talking about what's important to you. What's important to me is I want to eat right at six o'clock. I come home, I'm starving. I have, I've eaten at like 11. So I mean, I'm just starving, man. You know what I'm talking about? And so if you could just have dinner ready at six o'clock, that would be amazing. And so Phyllis works hard, you know, she's got, uh, she works at the church, she's got the kids, but she works really hard to have it ready at six. And what's amazing is she'll always say, look, I hope you like it. And this is my response. You will never hear me complain about your food. It's hot and it's ready and I'm hungry. <laughs> like, like to me, the thing that I love is that it's ready at six. I don't care what we eat as long as it's hot and it's ready because I'm hungry. And so she'll have it there, and, and so, come on, look, I'll remember whoa, whoa, whoo. Somebody said, pastor's preaching, good, baby, you better get that. And so I praise her, baby, that really meant a lot to me. I know you had a lot to do. Thank you for making sure the dinner was ready. The other day, she washed all my clothes and folded them, which, you know, was a big deal. I said, I really appreciate it. She not only folded, she put them up in my drawer. You know, sometimes I get those stacks, those overwhelming stacks. She's like, these are yours. Mine are put up. Just put your stuff up. <laughs> and so she actually put all my clothes up. And, and I said, baby, it really meant a lot to me the other night when you put all my clothes up. What am I doing? I'm praising her often. You know, the other day, Phyllis praised me. I, I, it was a long day for her. And she was cleaning the house all day. And she was dealing with the kids. And I came home, and the house is spotless, man. It just looked amazing. And we ate dinner, but we had a whole pile of dishes in the sink. And so Phyllis went to go take care of the girls and start doing their bedtime routine. Well, I don't normally do the dishes. We kind of have our chores that we do. The kids do it, Phyllis do them. But I thought, man, she's worked so hard on the house. Everything was ready. I'm just going to do the dishes. Look, ladies are like, listen, honey, listen. <clears throat> this don't happen every day. I'm just saying. So, so I did the dishes, and I even put them up, and I pulled the ones out. And you know you love them when you pull them out and put them up. Like, it's one thing to put, come on, ladies, am I preaching now? Now I'm preaching. Like, I just put them in. I put them up, and, you know, I didn't say anything. I didn't go around saying, "Woo!" I just did the dishes. No, no, I just, just did it and went, went to bed. Well, the next day, Phyllis called me and said, baby, I just want you to know it really meant a lot that you did the dishes. I said, oh, sweet, it's no big deal. I, I appreciate it. Well, how, what is she doing? She's praising me, but here's the beautiful thing. Not only she praised me, later that night, she rewarded me. <clears throat> I'm just saying, it was, a, it was a good night at the Kyle's house that night. And, and, and I can tell you this, I've done the dishes a couple more times since that time. <laughs> Us men are very, very simple. Simple, simple, simple. <laughs> Why? Because she praised me. <laughs> Look, you, you, you got to praise what you want to see more of. You got to speak life into that part of your relationships. Third thing is this you got to be assertive. Uh, now, assertiveness, let me just define assertiveness. It's the ability to express your feelings and to ask for what you want in your relationship. Now, assertiveness is good. I'm not talking about bossiness or pushiness. I'm talking about being assertive. The ability to express your feelings, to be able to ask for what you want in your relationship. So these are things that have to do with me, where I say I rather than you. 
So, you know, you could say, look, you're always late. You're always late. You're always late. Well, that's one way to talk about it. That's really the lowest form. Or you could say something like, look, baby, I really worry about you often when you come into the house late and you don't call or text. You see the difference? Now, now you just went from a jabbing statement that's critical to now I'm expressing my feelings and concern. Look, baby, when, when you don't call me or text me, I really get worried about you. I really care about you. Uh, maybe you could call or text uh, the next time you're going to run late. And so what am I doing? I'm expressing the need that I have in my relationship uh, with Phyllis. Now, Phyllis and I have grown a lot, even over the last couple of years. We've been going to a, uh, a psychiatrist, a therapist, whatever you want to say. Uh, we just felt like, look, we want to have a healthy, life-giving marriage. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm not going to let anything stop that, whether it's pride or selfishness. And so, so we've been going, and what I realized is this, for you to get to this level of assertiveness, there has to be some emotional health. You really have to be healthy at some level. Why? Because you're now being vulnerable. Uh, you're having to say, okay, this is, I'm, I'm really, I can't do it all by myself. And look, if you ladies ever were in an abusive relationship, a lot of times you're like, I, can, I don't need him. Well, first off, that's a lie from the enemy, and that's the world's way. And uh, that's not God's way. The truth is you absolutely need your husband. And here's the truth. He absolutely needs you. And so you got to be able to go to the deepest level and communicate how you're feeling and what your needs are. And I remember she was homeschooling, and I would walk into the house, and I'm oblivious to her day. I mean, she's had a day that's been the worst day ever. Kids aren't listening. She feels like a failure. She's yelled at the kids, and we talked about it. She said, baby, just share that story. And so I walk in. I'm oblivious. I had a great day. I'm like, what's up? I'm high-fiving kids. We sit down. We're wrestling. We're playing. I might even sit down and watch some television. Well, Phyllis, in this moment, she wants me to come over and say, baby, I love you. You're an amazing mom. You're a great teacher. You're successful. Don't God, you know, you're awesome. And she wants me to come in and love on her and hug on her. Well, I'm oblivious to this. You know, the kids tackle me. We're doing what we're doing. And I, I'm exhausted at some level. I sit down. I don't have a clue. Well, how many know then she's slamming pots and serving cold food at 630? <laughs> I don't know why it's late. It's been done since 5.45. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, just the games that we all play, and she's mad, and, and I walk up, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. And, and the truth is this, if she was living on the level of being assertive, she could say, well, baby, what I really need is this, because here's the truth, and this is what we've talked about. As her husband, I love to do whatever. She wants me to dote on her. I'll dote on her. She wants me to hug her. I'll, hold, I'll do whatever. Why? Because I want to make her happy. The problem is she never communicated it to me. She never told me what she needed, and therefore I can't read minds. Ladies, listen, your husband cannot read your mind. And all the men said amen. We can't read minds. And when we try, we totally mess it up worse. So don't even have us try. Just be bold enough to say, look, I'm really going to communicate so that I can live in this level of deeper intimacy and relationship with my spouse. Now, look, it's not just her. Look, men, I find myself in the same way. I've, I've been thinking about Phyllis. I know she, she's hurting because she fell from heaven and, and she's hit herself as an angel. I'm like, you And so I'm texting her and, hey, I can't wait for tonight. Emoji, emoji. Now, this is sexual. I'm not being, no, I'm, I'm excited about tonight. 
Well, she reads it. She's like, oh, yeah, me too. I don't know what you're excited about. You know, she's going through. And uh, so we're talking. We're having a good night. Well, she's had a rough day. My day's good. I'm thinking, hey. And I keep hinting, you know, those holy hints. Oh, baby, I'm excited. Whatever, mama. And, and, and we put the kids to bed. Well, I go get in bed. I, I, you know, I'm tinkering around, maybe watch something. I'm just waiting on her. Why? Because it's going to be a good night. Now, I have not communicated this to her, but I've hinted around. And I mean, we've been married for 18 years. This woman ought to know what time it is. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's Tuesday night, baby. We know. And living wild, it's Friday. We just, we know. She ought to know. So I'm sitting in bed. My wife is relaxing in the bathroom, piddling. I started sitting in the bed at 9.30. It is now 11.30. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I get up at 5 a.m. I don't know what you do at 5 a.m. I see Jesus. I'm mad in my, and she's in there piddling. I'm like, and so then instead of communicating, hey, baby, I really tonight, I, I've been thinking about you. And just, you, you, at the end of the day, how I many you know your wife wants you to be happy, but you have done nothing but hint around, mixed signals. Now you're mad. You, and now we play the whole silent treatment game. You're going to slam it. Oh, well, just go to bed. I, I don't need you anyway. You shut the door. I know none of y'all act like this. That's why Phyllis and I are in counseling. <laughs> shut the door. <laughs> and she's like, what is your problem? Nothing. If you can't figure it out, it doesn't matter. You just don't care. I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about. And what's the problem? You didn't learn how to be assertive in your relationship. You didn't learn how to go to the deepest level and talk about what it is that you need. So we've got to learn to be assertive in our relationship. Fourth thing is this. You've got to avoid criticizing. Criticism never helps a relationship. It's absolutely destructive. And what will happen in a marriage is at first it starts real low key. It's just a little jab here, a little jab there. But how I many know over the years those jabs cut deep? And, and now it's not like we're just kind of clowning. Like, criticism should never happen. Sarcasm is never great in a relationship. It's the lowest form of knowledge, and it escalates into a place where people have deep wounds and no longer feel safe because you constantly criticize that person. Now, criticism is implying the worst about that person. So remember we talked about finding the best and praising them? Criticizing is actually the world's way. It's actually the opposite. It's finding the worst and pointing it out. It focuses on what's wrong in the relationship. It casts blame. It never is vulnerable. It's always about everyone else's problem. And so it devalues and belittles. So, so here's an example. Someone say, well, I, you, I wish you would just, you, you can never pay the, why can't you ever pay the bills on time? Like, is there something wrong with you? Like, are you just not smart? Like, it, 15th comes around every month on the 15th of every month. Can you just get the bills? Out? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, maybe, and, and say, maybe you're just not that smart. It's walking around saying, look, well, you're just lazy. You're just stubborn. I mean, the truth is, we, we could say mean and hurtful things all day. We could criticize all day long. We, we can find fault. You can say, well, it's your fault. We're in this financial situation. If you'd stop spending credit cards, Pastor Zell, all that shopping. Well, the truth is, if that's happening in your relationship, that's just the fruit, not the root. The root is you've never communicated in such a way that both of you get it, that you're both on the same page. And so you're seeing the fruit of dysfunction, and now you're blaming them. And this is what I've learned. As long as I blame someone else, I can never fix it. 
you'll always be a victim. It's always them. I'm going to criticize. We've got to stop criticism in our relationship if we're going to see God do amazing things. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you have the ability to speak life into your relationship or the ability to speak death. Which will you choose? Here's the fifth skill. We've got to listen to understand. So we need to seek first to understand what the person is saying that we're listening to and not try to be understood. So, so what does that mean? Look, Stephen Covey, he said it like this in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. So give a three-second rule. Let them talk. Count out three seconds. And if you got to do it out loud, do it out loud. But what are you doing? You're just letting the question sit in the air so that you can ponder and understand or their statement, whatever it is that they just said. Why? Because the goal for you to have effective communication is for you to understand what your spouse is saying. What is it that they're saying? What is it that they're trying to communicate to me? I'm going to concentrate on them and don't necessarily even listen to the words, but listen to their heart. Like, like first off, if you're mad at each other, you probably shouldn't be conversating in that moment anyway. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but when anger spikes your heart rate, and now you're angry, your blood pressure goes up, they say if, if your heart rate goes past 100 beats per minute, you can't even think straight. There's only two responses in that. I'm going to fight or I'm going to run. Fight or flight response. And so what happens is so many times you're like, well, I don't need to understand. Well, the only reason why you would say that is because you're mad right now. Because the truth is, if you both were, were not mad, you were both coming to the table in an open mind, you would want to understand why. Because you want to have a great marriage. Nobody wants to have a bad marriage. And so you've got to find a time where we're really seeking to understand each other, not trying to prove ourselves as being right. Look at Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that's folly and shame. So look, what's that mean? Look, I'm not going to answer before I understand. I've got I to really listen, and we call that active listening. Everybody say active listening. Write that in your message notes because I don't know that that's in there. Active listening. Active listening is really the art of recapping what you just heard. So your spouse tells you something. Whatever it is that they said. So, so Phyllis tells me, hey, Jim, it's really important that you are home at nights four or five nights a week. So I'm listening Active listening would say, Phyllis, I heard you to say that you feel like it would be, it's, it's really important for me to be home four or five nights a week. Is that what you said? And then Phyllis will come back and say, that's absolutely what I said. She's not going to say, I've been saying that for two years. Come on, somebody. <laughs> well, I've been saying it. Yeah, but, but now we're practicing active listening and he finally got it. And so you're actively responding back. So this is what I heard you to say. Am I correct in that? If I understood you right, this is what I heard. Am I correct? That's what active listening does. It listens to make sure that you're understanding, not trying to just reply or prove your point. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's the last thing this morning. It's the last skill that we've got to develop. And, and really, please don't shut it down. Don't brush us off. I, I really want to show you something that you may not have seen before because you're going to think, well, we're in church, Pastor. You've got to say it. I would have started with this one, but I wanted to end with it because it's the most important. And it's really this. It's, you got to pray together as a couple. You have to. So, so here's the challenge that I see. Look, if we're going to be, behave like the world behaves, then run your marriage and do it like the world does it. They don't pray together. 
They're not putting God at the center of the relationship. But as a Christian, if we're going to do it differently, we got to say, baby, we got, we got to pray. To, it's, it's not even an option. Why? Because the devil's come to steal, kill, and to destroy your marriage. Your marriage is the foundation of the family unit. And if your marriage is destroyed, he destroys the family. If he destroys families, he destroys society. So what's happened all throughout America is the enemy went after marriages. See, we were so busy thinking, well, it's my kids. Well, it is your kids, but if I can destroy the husband and the wife, I already get the kids. And what we got to say is, look, baby, I'm going to pray with you. And, and listen, man, I get it. If you've never really prayed with your wife, it's a little weird. It's like, it's, it's okay. You're, you're leading them. I'm asking you men to lead your wives. Wives, if your man's not here, your husband's not here, Say, hey, baby, would you do something? It would mean a lot to me if just once a day we could pray together. Pray together in the mornings. One of the things that our family does, is, especially when school's happening, is we do family devotions. And we go around the circle and we pray over each other and pray for each other. Every day of the week we have school. And this is why I'd say start your day off just in prayer with each other. Pray in the middle of the day. Maybe you just say, I'm praying for you. Pray at the end of night before you go to bed. Just say a prayer together. Phyllis and I are working on trying to start. I hadn't started yet. I don't want you to think I'm a superhero. It's really difficult at night. I'm exhausted. She's like, baby, can we do a devotional together? Why? Because we're trying to put God, even at night when we go to bed, we're going to do a devotional together. But here's the thing that I've learned. This is one thing that I've learned that we've been doing really, really well. Why don't you pray when you're fighting? This is the game changer. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three gather together in my name, look at what he says. This is Jesus speaking. He says what? There I am in the midst. So here's what I found. When Phyllis and I are fighting, passionate conversation, whatever you want to say, just to be real transparent, the last thing I want to do is hold that woman's hand. <laughs> Can I get an Amen. I mean, you know, we're doing the whole silent treatment thing, or, or we're mad, we're just... So, so what has happened is, when we're passionately conversating, the enemy puts a foothold in. Why? Because he's dividing you. But if you'll put God in the center, God will unite you. That's where you got to build a different skill. you got to say, look, I know what I want because it's the way I feel, but feelings are fickle. And feelings tend to be very fleshly and very selfish and very self-centered and self-righteous. Like, like, you know what? I deserve something better. You, you fight for your, No, baby, you don't deserve anything. Why? Because we died in Christ. We deserve to give grace, to give mercy, to give forgiveness, to, to give compassion. And if you'll do this, if you'll say, baby, I know we're fighting. We, we got into a pretty big argument the other night. It was, it was a little while ago. We hadn't gotten any lately. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But I remember we got into it. And we're like, we, I said, we, we, baby, well, you know what we really ought to do? We ought to, we ought to just pray. And she's, she walked off, and I, I said, baby, really, we ought to just pray. We came together, and we prayed. We didn't really resolve anything, but what I realized in that moment, this is what I realized was the foothold of the enemy was lessened. And then the more I begin to pray, how many know the more I pray to God, God begins to do a work inside of me. God begins to do a work inside of her. And then we came back together. We said, by the end of the night, I said, just give me a few minutes. I walked off. By the end of the night, my honey was rewarding me, somebody. Come on, bringing God in the center. <laughs> but it's so powerful. I, I know it's simple, but it really is powerful. 
in the fact that why because God wants you to be united not divided and what we can do is say well I don't want it no no we got to fight those feelings we got to say baby we're going to fight for this marriage it's not what we want we're going to because the truth is if you're not mad and you're thinking straight and you're really objective the truth is you want to know what makes her hurt and you want to resolve it and the reason men you get so mad is because you feel like you work so hard I'm trying. I'm better than my dad was. I didn't even have a dad. I'm doing as best I can, and I get that. But the truth is, you can't allow that excuse to stop you from reconciling with the spouse God put you with. Why? Because your children's destinies are at stake. And the enemy wants to take you out, but I pray this over our church. He's not going to have any marriages in our church. Husbands and wives are going to communicate that we're going to be an example. And listen, if you're dating and you can't get these basic principles down, you might ought to think twice about dating or starting into courtship. Because I promise you this, when you get married, it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. And so look, all the young people, all the people that are looking for the, you're single and ready to mingle, you need to work on these, these concepts so that you can be the best person possible when the right person shows up because you become the right person now I wonder if I could just kind of pray for us this morning you know I we've had some fun had some laughs it's really been a great morning and I hope you've gotten a few things out of these skills that we're developing but I realize there are some of you here in this moment you say we hadn't been communicating well I mean we we, we look at this list and faster the truth is we, we hadn't done any of them very well this is what I know today can be a brand new day be a brand new start a fresh start and God can now in this moment wipe away the past and give you a brand new future and so this is what I'm going to do I'm going to ask you maybe you just grab the hand of your spouse if you're married and just ask God that in this moment look, maybe some of you are here you're like man we got them all listen I would encourage you this why don't you start a marriage small group and help us train up young married couples or other couples that are struggling in their marriage we're going to start small groups in just a couple of weeks I want to encourage you you sit back there you're like man I got them all good start a marriage small. we need it the enemy is trying to take out marriages all across our church in this city help us and then look there are some of you that maybe you sit here this morning your spouse is not with you and you feel a little hopeless a little helpless Maybe you feel frustrated, maybe you feel alone, maybe you feel isolated. I want you to know this, God hasn't left you. God loves you. He cares for you. And I want to encourage you, pray over your spouse. If you'll begin to do these things, you'll begin to set a different environment in your home. He won't even know what's happening. She won't even know what's happening. But you know why. Because you're now putting God's principles to work. And lo and behold, what may happen, they may start coming to church with you. God will begin to restore it. I want you to know you're not alone in your relationship. Not only does God love you, but I want you to know this church loves you. I love you. We love you. You don't have to be out there all by yourself, but we are fighting for your marriage together. And we believe that the best days are yet to come. I just want to pray over us, and we're going to get ready to close. Father, I just thank you. This morning, I have such a burden for couples. God, I I just thank you that in this moment right now, you restore what has been lost or stolen. God, I'm asking you in this moment, God, would you bring hope and peace and grace and forgiveness? God, we forgive the one that has offended us. 
I believe there's some of you sitting here right now, you're offended at your spouse. You put up the walls, you put up the barriers, nothing's getting in, but the problem is nothing's going out either. And God, I'm asking you right now, lower the walls, lower the barriers. God, that you could restore this relationship, that what the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy, God, you're going to bring life and life more abundantly. Father, we thank you for that, your healing virtue in the relationship right now. God, and those that are sitting here, that their spouse is not here, maybe they feel hopeless or helpless, you're the God of hope. Jesus, I'm asking you to give them wisdom and strength and power and grace and mercy. And Lord, that their best days are yet to come. And Lord, if they're married to a spouse that doesn't know you or love you, I'm praying for the salvation of that spouse, that they would come to know you, that they would serve all the days of their life, they would serve in the house of God, that it would not just be one person coming to church and bringing the kids, but God, I'm asking you for families to come to church, husbands and wives, to be an example to the world of what a marriage could look like. We thank you for this. Now, keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. I think there's some of you here this morning We're talking about building skills, but the truth is you've got to have God at the center of your life for Him to help you build these skills. And I believe there are some of you right now, you've never fully surrendered your life to Him. You've never fully asked Him to be your Lord and your Savior, and you're sitting here right now, and you can feel His presence. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm just going to ask you to respond to the invitation. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down, but... As an act of surrender, you say, right now, I want to surrender my life to him just as an act of surrender. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give him everything right now. I want to give him my hopes, my future, all that I am, and surrender my life to him. Just right now in this moment, raise your hands. See you down there. There. All over this place. So amazing. Church, tell them how proud you are. God, in this moment... So I want to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that changes us. It's the belief in our heart and the confession of our mouth of faith. God, say, say, Jesus, say it, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I'm asking you, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash away my past. Right now, I give you everything. I give you my hopes. Give you my dreams. Give you my future. I give you all of me. I surrender. Save me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God this morning.